0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay
1: and Krista. How are we hanging? How are we doing? We're here to serve you. We're here to have fun. We're here to learn and grow right alongside you. It's been about six years, maybe a little bit more since we started Almost 30, literally in our closets, on the floor, just talking about life, about what was working, what wasn't working, mm-hmm. uh, where we needed support where we were curious and fearful and doubtful and all the things. And then Almost 30 was born and a community formed quickly thereafter. And we've just been on this journey together. Journey. I love saying journey, baby. I know. It's been quite the journey (laughs) together, but we're so
0: glad you're here. We know there's a lot of pods to listen to, so we're grateful you chose almost 30. There's 500 or so other episodes you can dig into after this incredible interview we did with Vailana Marcus.
1: Super special. I'm so happy that we got to really spent time with her in person, which was such a gift. If you know us, you know that we kind of prefer that in-person energy and um, hopefully it is felt. But Ilana flew in from Austin where she lives with her husband, Aubrey Marcus. We have that episode out, which was really powerful. We got to sit down with Aubrey in Austin and y'all have been super moved by that conversation. So if you haven't checked it out, please listen. But It's been beautiful to see them come together. You know, I think knowing Aubrey from afar and really kind of tracking his journey, whether it's from being in a polyamorous relationship to now in a monogamous and so many other, yeah, life transitions and growth points. It's really beautiful as an outsider to see these two souls come together and make a lot of, for lack of a better word, like magic. I just Mm -hmm. feel like there's kind of this, illumination that they provide one another in their partnership that is very much felt. Yeah. You look at them, you're like, you're made for each made. other. You
0: know, sometimes when you find people that are so meant to be, you're like, how did you not find each other before? I know. Maybe because, they did in another life. Yes, but. definitely. 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 So the conversation with Aubrey is out stunning, beautiful. We talked about their relationship. Yeah. So it was so good to have her in the studio and explore and learn about this medicine woman mm-hmm. and her journey and her journey to creating this really powerful alchemical music. We talked a lot about the loves of her life, you know, the journey that she's been through from a relationship perspective, her traumas, her experiences, how she grew confidence, how she found amazing women in her life and how she learned to love amazing women. We talked about shadow work. We talked about her medicine experiences. Mm -hmm. We talked about her relationship
1: with Aubrey and we talked about her new album. Her new album, Goddess Rising. This sound medicine has, I know from firsthand experience, just kind of the power of allowing source to come through you through music. It was really inspiring for me to listen to her journey with not only her music, but allowing the power of the message come through her and what that really required her to do and how she makes herself available to that. And just how she talks about it, how it's her dharma. It was wild to kind of hear how all the pieces have come together in such a way bigger than she could and more expansive than she could ever imagine because she's allowed herself to be in that Dharma, which was just so powerful. So this album is really a journey. So it's like 35 minutes, I think she said. So you can listen to this kind of in order. You don't have to, but I, I thought it would be a beautiful thing for us all to kind of do an experience after you listen to this interview where it really ends with this Phoenix rising, which is her first single off the album. I was taken aback by what seemed to be such a metamorphosis she's experienced not only through her relationships and through her traumas, but like through her music and how it's being shared with the world now. Mm -hmm. This is a really groovy
0: conversation you Mm -hmm. guys are going to love. I'm really excited for you to dig in. Highly suggest sending this to a friend or two and having a beautiful open-hearted dialogue about it, about all the things you learned. And then listening to the album, which is available on Spotify, wherever you listen to music, It is called Goddess Rising by Vailana Marcus.
1: Enjoy this one. We will see you on the other side. See you soon.
2: So I'll drop in for a moment together and just gently inhale through our nose into the belly. Graceful exhale. Another inhale through the nose. Rooting us down into this moment. Hold at the top. Anything that is not love, any fear, any judgment, any worry, anything that is not in resonance with love, exhale out your mouth. One more deep, inhale into the belly, and exhale. Thank you, thank you, thank you, universe, for the convergence of this present moment of women who are anchoring really meaningful and necessary codes in the collective at this moment who have a message to share, who have love to give, who have wisdom to offer, and asking that all the women who are in resonance with this message and the men, that they receive this with an open heart, with an open mind, and that it may inspire and activate them, that it may trigger the synchronicities that guide them to a truer expression of their soul's path. May we all be of service of the highest good. Please guide us, all of our higher guidance, our higher selves. Help us to navigate this conversation so that it can be of the highest good to all.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Vortexes. Vortexes It's
0: interesting when I'm around like, medicine, like you as a medicine woman, it's like I kind of get into that energy very quickly. It's like Mm -hmm. I can feel myself. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of slipping on in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. there's a
2: When you're in somebody's morphogenetic field, that's the most beautiful thing about just being with sisters and why they say like the five people you surround yourself with are the five people you're most like. Like you're constantly exchanging codes in your conversation and your energy fields. Like like something's always activating. So these conversations are always really, really, really mm-hmm. lovely. And I've been really blessed to also receive so much mm-hmm. from
1: my sisters in my field. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Before we started, you noted that you're in your Dharma mm-hmm. and you are just shining so bright in a way that is felt on a cellular level, on just a deep soul level by anyone who, whether it's listens to your music, hears you speak listens to you on a podcast, even just like watches you move your body. And we'll come to the present day. But I'm I'm always so curious, you know, what and who you were and what your experience was like before you felt as though you were kind of in in and on this path. Who was Vailana before that?
2: Oh man. (laughs) The analogy that I always like to use, you know, my husband said to me a long time ago is your roots better grow down into the earth, into the depths, into the shadow, into the darkness, as tall as you will grow up towards the light. Because if you are not anchored in the entirety of your polarity, like you can't just reach for the light, like it's ungrounded and you'll topple over. And there's probably a lot of spiritual bypassing happening. But for me, you know, my entire life's journey has felt like a massive initiation to get me to this moment right now. And with that came a lot of heartbreak, a lot of heartbreak and betrayal and disconnection from my true self disconnection from the raw essence and the pure essence of my sexuality disconnection from like truly being empowered and just giving my power away to like anything that could validate me whether that be relationship or parents or anything like that i experienced a lot of trauma in my life starting from when i was you know very young i was like from the ages 12 to 14 like pretty depressed and had some suicidal ideation from some things that were happening in my life and that carried on throughout you know all of my relationships until being with my husband Aubrey now and the way that it felt for me because I actually had a really big death rebirth moment last year in 2021 September of 2021 I went down to went to Costa Rica and did an ayahuasca ceremony where It brought up every moment in my life where I have just felt annihilated in love, like shaking and sobbing on the floor by myself. Like that has happened to me countless times. I can't even count them on my hands, definitely over 10 times in relationships. And the person that I loved most was what, you know, was causing what was co-creating the situation with me. And I had to feel every single one of those moments like isolated. They were all deeply, deeply painful to the point where I feel like part of my soul fractured off and was like, this is too much. Like I love so much and I give my love so freely. And one of the things was, yes, I had protective mechanisms, but I never stopped loving. I never stopped believing. Like my beacon was like, I know that it's true. I know that it's what I want. I dream of a love that I feel cherished and safe and stable. And I know it exists. So I never stopped. So I was in, you know, many relationships. But in this journey, I had to feel every single one of them Mm -hmm. at the same time in my body, so you can imagine mm-hmm. like the PTSD in my nervous system and just the depth of anguish and grief and resentment towards life. Like, this is what life is about, to love and then just be freaking haymakered from the left and right constantly like a punching bag. Like, what is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and COVID, you know, like everything that was happening in the world, like, I had a lot of resentment that I had to feel. And I think that's part of transmutation and healing and growing is everything needs to be felt. If you think you can run from your emotions, whether they be anger or grief or jealousy or, you know, all these things that we try to kind of like shove down and pretend that they don't exist. And then they come out in reactive, wild ways that make us feel like we're schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's. Everything that's a beautiful invitation with ayahuasca is it gives you the space and it guides you, you know, willingly or unwillingly to feel everything that hasn't been felt. Going into that death portal, the way that I had to be reborn into a new body, into a new nervous system, because my prayer going into that ceremony was like, help me to feel my divine truth in my body, my my consciousness, my awareness knows that I'm safe now that I'm with my husband Aubrey, with all of my sisters, but my body was like nope, not there yet. Mm. projection, projection, mm-hmm. projection. here's where you're not safe. Here's where she's doing mm-hmm. something that you need to look out mm-hmm. for because you're so used to be che- being cheated mm-hmm. on, you know all those things. but um, yeah felt uh, felt the depth of my suffering in life. And, and it was immense. Like it was one of the hardest nights of my life. And, um, the whole ceremony, I was just crying out for help because I've made it to this point all on my own. You know, I've been in a lot of relationships and I've had a lot of friends, but I've always felt very deeply alone in life. And I had to, I really had to sit with that too, you know, and that feeling of being, Alone and suffering is, is, you know, it's it's not just about the suffering, but it's like not having anyone to lean on in the suffering that you really trust can hold you in it, and uh, so I called out for for help from people, and you know, I won't go so detailed into the story. I've told this story before, but essentially, what helped guide me through a rebirth was I was psychically calling out for people, and they showed up soon as the ceremony ended, there was four people at my mat. My dear sister Blue mm. came over to me and put her hand on my back and did this energy work and blew tobacco on me. And Aubrey was holding space behind me. And my sister Adrian was sitting in front calling in angels and light mm. and love and all this energy. And it was like, I then was able to fully come back into myself, all the pieces that had left because it was just too painful for me to live the life that I had lived all along, all of them came back. And it was like, you know, I had already been on the medicine path for for years, probably like five, six years, you know, by by then. And I have my own codes that I share and things that come through for me intuitively. And like the swarm of that energy that came into me because I had called all aspects of myself back felt like, this is a magnetism that I've never accessed before. But that magnetism and that power came from going into the depths of myself, from no longer turning away and looking away and avoiding or even just the stuff that was lying in my Mm. unconscious mind that I don't even see or like parts of my programming, like going into the depths of all of that was what guided me to be exactly where I am right now and the beautiful thing about it is that whole life's journey and life's alchemy is what guided me to exactly what I'm doing right now because now it's my opportunity to take that medicine to take all of those tools that I've used to take everything that has worked for me and then offer it in the way that I know how as medicine for other women and and men you know my I always say men and uh, women but they're definitely, you know, codes for, for men as well. But um,
0: yeah, that was a long story. But <laughs> that it's beautiful. And then, you know, the feeling of loneliness, do you feel, because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, that deep feeling. And I felt that in my life where I'm like, it's always going to be me. You know, it's always going to just be me. There never will be that meeting. Do you feel like because you weren't meeting those darker aspects, the grief aspects, part of yourself that you had exiled, you know, essentially exiled them that you, it wouldn't allow people to meet you fully because you hadn't fully met yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and
2: those, those energies that had not been fully integrated in myself and where I was not having unconditional love for myself because I was rejecting all of these aspects that were also part of my nature and my shadow and my own darkness you're always magnetizing to you what is in resonance with where you're at whether you understand it or not you know so it's it's if you if you take a victim mentality in any aspect of your life you're not acknowledging that you are a co-creator and that you are also magnetizing all these situations like all of those horrible painful relationships were invitations for me to come more fully into myself and to meet myself more deeply you know and it's it's your choice whether or not you take the opportunity whether or not you look at a situation and be like what is it that i am calling in for myself right now because if i am in victimization or i'm judging other there is in judgment when you point a finger at somebody else it always has something to do with you. It may be an unintegrated aspect of your shadow. It may be a, a space that like you may envy about somebody else mm-hmm. and it's something that you would actually like to mm-hmm. anchor and mm-hmm. and to do or it may be something that you actually judge about yourself, you know? So I always look at all situations kind of from this higher purview of like why am i calling this into my experience nothing is by accident you know it's it's we're we're always in a space of of co-creating and to touch on something about the the loneliness you know i think feeling alone is also the the mechanism of self-protection where you're not actually allowing anyone in because mm-hmm. you don't trust anything so as much as suffering alone was super painful it was also a product of my own self protection so it was like yes this is happening and it's like there's so much grief and and sorrow in that and also i'm the one that's sitting here in my little cave by myself and sometimes i'll let somebody come in here and sit with me but i'm too afraid to go out of it so there's also an element of you know leaning in when you're lonely where there's like a lot of courage in
1: that. When you began your plant medicine journey, was there an aspect of your general distrust that came up? I feel like it just is a portal that opens once you kind of step out into that journey of plant medicine and working with the medicine. What was that journey like with trusting it, of opening up, mm. of feeling ready? Because I know a lot of people listening are curious. Yeah. Yeah. They're not quite sure what that feeling would be.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and I don't advise to anyone to just
1: be on a medicine
2: path. It is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't make you better to be on a medicine path than to not be. But for me, it was a calling. Like I was going through my Saturn return and the the, the bigger part of it, like there was definitely a distrust in life. I wasn't as aware of it at that point. But what what the place I was in that I was that I went through a series of multiple different extraordinarily challenging things that the last one that was like the straw that broke the camel's back was my grandma was put on hospice and it was just about to be my birthday. And I was in this place of being in deep fear of her dying on my birthday. And so she actually, you know, did pass away. Luckily it wasn't on my actual birthday, but it was a couple of days later, a few days later. And at that point, I felt like my whole perspective of not understanding what life means or why I'm here or way, where she went. Because I, I didn't ever, you know, uh, both sides of my family were, you know, deeply religious. And I really honor, like, I feel like spirituality is like a tree and the trunk is God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then everyone's branches is their own ways of connecting with it. And I have no judgment to how people make it there. But for me being in, you know, in church, it didn't ever really feel super resonant for me, but I did believe in something more. There was elements of it that did feel true, but I really just didn't know. And so when she passed, And I didn't know where she went or why when she died, I could still feel her so much to the point where I wasn't emotional. And I'm a very emotional person. So I thought I was like psychologically burying, you know, things. (laughs) And I essentially just decided to live my life differently. And I knew she would want me to live. And I had contained myself into this like little bubble of comfort for forever. And was like, okay, okay. I'm just going to start saying yes to life and when there's an opportunity if it feels true to me I'm going to say yes to it. And once I got to that place where I started to have more of a dialogue with the universe like I started praying, you know, prayer, prayer, you know, you do in church, but I I literally pray every day like I I thank the universe like at the beginning of this podcast for all of the beauty and the grace that I experience and then I ask for what it is that I want and then it feels like you're opening yourself to one, being the clarification of your desire and two, you're opening yourself to just call the right things in. And um, so, you know, as soon as I kind of made that prayer and I started saying, yes, plant medicine started, uh, ayahuasca in particular, there was two people that were in my life. One was a very significant, like intimate relationship. And another was just a, a girl that I really loved that I worked with. And they both brought ayahuasca up that it was kind of like, huh, I would maybe do that, you know, but then it wasn't, the opportunity never arose. And then when Mm -hmm. it did, it was like, I know I know it's the time, Mm -hmm. you know? I was in such a place of trying to find myself. Like I felt so purposeless and complacent. At the time I had also, you know, I, I moved to LA to try to be a singer and I was working in nightlife and that dream died in this really sad way because I realized I didn't know who I was and it was very depressing. And so I wasn't singing at the time and it's like, this was my life's dream. What am I supposed to do now? So everything just felt empty. I didn't feel like drive or desire for anything. I felt really, really lost, and that was really painful and difficult for me. And so for me at the time, it was the what seated it was less about less about trust. That came later when I kind of mm. got a little bit more deep into myself and mm. saw more saw more about myself. It was more about like searching. Mm. I'm searching for meaning. I'm searching for God. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Why did I choose to come here? Like, what? Like, why? How? You know, like those kinds of answers. Because I just felt very, very lost. So, my my path was a lot more about trying to find my way in the ways that felt true in my body. There's a lot of things people can offer you. It'd be like, yeah, we're going to go do this aboga ceremony in this place. abogas. I wouldn't suggest that.
0: To <laughs> is that but, the f- where you puke a lot? Uh, I mean, you
2: puke a lot. In or is that a combo? A, uh, what's both. The, what's the purge one? Both. Okay. Uh, combo is probably the one that you're okay. thinking of, but you also purge in Iboga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: we don't have to go into like full psychedelic talk. <laughs> yeah. but it's
2: like people can, the, the thing where it gets a little squirrely, I think for people is it's becoming really prevalent in this kind of psychedelic renaissance for people to just be like, oh yeah, we're going to do ayahuasca and sit with just this person, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, do you stop to actually ask your body, is this right for me right now? Does it feel true to me right now? Do I feel called? Am I doing it just because it's convenient or do I do it because I'm actually feeling a calling? I've actually had a, a funny... I had a funny ayahuasca experience where I actually was in a really great place and I wasn't deeply feeling called. However, we had put together this really beautiful ceremony group for, you know, some friends of ours. And, you know, so like obviously we're going to go hold space and drop in with everyone. I had my ass kicked by ayahuasca. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was also perfect. It was very very in alignment with what was necessary. for It was a big initiation, but it was like-
0: What was the message? mm,
2: It was facing off with really deep aspects of my shadow. And people talk about shadow work a lot. I don't think most people actually know what shadow work is. 100% agree. mm -mm. The shadow is what is unseen. So like you actually aren't consciously aware of it. So that's why for me, it was so confronting. I have a single coming out called Phoenix next next month on August 19th. And at the time I was, you know, just finishing up that song. It's like, it's very catchy. It's very anthemic and and really exciting. But the lyrics of the hook are, I am, I am, I am, and that's all I ever need to be. And so, like, I'm in ceremony listening, hearing Mm -hmm. my song, and I'm like, this is going to be so great. People are going to love it. And then I was like, you are, and that's all that you ever need to be. Here's where you're not living in integrity with that. Here's where you're actually like having these like subtle, insidious ways of being in competition with a dear medicine woman sister of yours, which was the most brutal because I adore her so much. And there was like, all these little threads of like mm. envy and a little bit of jealousy and things that I was so unaware of. And I, you know, left the ceremony and I told her all about it immediately because it's not in my nature to just like hold things and just be like, mm, I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. I can't just Like, like I can't it was do that. good. No, 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 no. I'm like immediately like, oh my God. Yeah. The ceremony, I was just imagining going into the sharing circle the next day being like, Hi, guys, I'm Bailana and I'm an asshole. (laughs) That's it. That's it. I I could go into the details about how I'm an asshole, but I don't know if I could go there again because it's hard.
1: What what did you like to have those shadow aspects that Mm -hmm. are unconscious? You don't even know that they're potentially running the show. Like, how did you understand how it got to that point? I mean, that was also
2: part of the revealing you know, embedded. And it's something that I've been pretty aware of in my life. Like I think for me, you know, I grew up and I was two and a half when my little sister was born Mm -hmm. and we really didn't get along. And I've had a lot of meditations, ceremonies, you know, all these different ways where it's come up that at that point of my life, when I had all of my parents' love, and then this like crying thing was born Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, what about What about me? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why does she get all the attention Mm -hmm. and she cries? And then all of a sudden everyone goes and pays, you know, and it created. And because I was so young, I didn't understand. It created this, like, compete for love nature in me. So, you know, my mom, when I was younger, was a dancer. She was a Tahitian dancer and unbelievable hula dancer. You'll watch her do the Hawaiian wedding song. We'll have videos when we do our, our official sacred wedding ceremony and everybody cries. Mm. But she was like the one I wanted to just love me the most, you know, and she was the one I was ultimately competing with my sister for because she had to care for my sister. And so I started competitively Tahitian dancing when I was four. And that was my way, you know, if I'm perfect... And I'm always the best at everything, whether it's school, you know. So that mechanism was seated really, really young, mm-hmm. and then it played out in different ways. It played out with, it played played out with school. It played out with eventually, like when I was in my 20s, it became about beauty and the competition between, you know, women. Where I would never actually acknowledge that to myself, but it was definitely there. And then I was always in situations where my partner was cheating. So then I'm facing off with like my like comparison, you know? And so being with Aubrey where I feel so safe and honored and revered and like he's, so just like in love and stable and um, having that for the first time, I feel like there's a big part of me and a lot of initiations that we've gone through that has transcended the whole physical appearance, like all of that stuff. But then this one, and who knows, I may have more because this is a really, really deep shadow of mine. But the last one was like, you know, I think part of my identity now in my life is as a medicine woman. You know, I do... Energy work and sound healing, and you know, if I'm in a space, it's just like I'm tuned into this place where I can really, really tune into where there's dissonance in the psyche and the physical body. I have visions, you know, all these things, and it's been developing over the last few years. And and it's 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 like exponentially quantum leap since I've been with Aubrey because he trusts in me so much, and I have a a dear, 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 dear sister of mine who I really like honestly, like deeply look up to like her level of devotion and her magic, like true real life magic. And she was the one, I'll just say her name. Her name is Blue. (laughs) I love you, Blue. (laughs) Um, She guided me through my death rebirth process. And I started noticing in situations like we'd be at fit for service and Aubrey typically defaults to me if he asks like for guidance about something. And then sometimes he would, Go to blue instead, and and it started to kind of seed this like, oh, like, am I not worthy enough? Am am I not good enough for you to ask? But simultaneously, being like, yes, of course, ask her. Like, mm-hmm. duh. But I had
0: to, yeah, I had to
2: face. That I had five to face, year old
0: part of you was like, what? Yeah, and then
2: the conscious you was like, of course. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I had to. I had to really like face that part of myself, yeah. which might not sound like that gruesome, but no. to, see, mm-hmm. to see the insidiousness of that kind of shadow and how it would percolate amongst so many things happening in my mind, it was tough. And it was also, you know, being somewhat of a transgressor and also feeling like, I feel like I know myself so much and yet I don't you know, and, and, and ultimately the the medicine that I had to make it through for three ceremonies and lots of purges is again, an invitation to unconditional love. Like if I exile this part of myself, that's not, you know, great or that I'm judging, I'm in judgment of like, I cannot love myself fully. And, and that is the cap to how much I can love others. So like The invitation was for a lot of forgiveness
0: and a lot of self-love, which I ultimately got to, but it was a pretty brutal time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were saying how insidious that one part of your shadow is. It's like sometimes when they're, I've perceived when they're less like grandiose, it's almost like they become more insidious. Oh yeah. So it's like, if you have, you know, a big T trauma, you're like, I can see and track this and I'm able to really see, and I'm giving myself permission because this is accepted by culture as a big T trauma to see this and then drop back in my life. But sometimes I realize like the parts of my shadow that are so minute, where you're like, oh, you're just a girl and you have a sister. It's like, you're like, then it just becomes into everything. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. really have a hard time peeling back and figuring out what it is.
2: For sure, because it is dictating, you know, your unconscious mind is dictating your dreams the way that you make meaning and stories so it's like easy to be like yeah you're the one that did something
1: mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. because it's like yep. it's like
2: bubbling up like volcano from mm-hmm. the inside and then getting projected outward so it can be a it can be like a a really tough thing when it's just something that's a little bit more it's yes. just under the table like yep. you can't really yes. see what's happening so yes. that's that's the importance of you know being really deeply intimate with yourself, journaling, you know, meditating, but like really like learning and being with yourself and having an open mind and curiosity always like, there could be some element of me here that is, in, that's wrong. Like, I don't mm-hmm, like using the words mm-hmm. right and wrong because that feels so like black and white, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there could be an aspect of me that's showing up here that's part of my shadow. Like, let me really sit with that for a second. Can I come to this conversation or this situation in a better way? Is there something here for me to learn?
0: Yeah. Cause I think it's like, we perceive our, our mind as our age being like, well, that's just the situation. And it's like you as a young girl, it's meeting the younger versions of yourself that you've exiled and then being like, what is it? because that's totally different than what you're going to perceive today as like being something that's that's the problem. So it's like, we have to take the lens of the age that in which we were when we experienced the trauma, because that's going to be how big it is, or that's going to be how much it leads into our life. But I'm so curious then, you have such beautiful female relationships and you've been able to cultivate these sister relationships. If you had that first experience with your sister, and it seems like that's kind of led in other areas of your life where there was cheating, you know, then the woman really is the enemy. I've had experiences like that as well. How were you able to heal that?
2: Oh boy, that's another long story. (laughs) I'll try to make it as concise as possible. No, rock (laughs) on. Um, So I have also had, like my mistrust in life that I was talking about earlier where I was very resentful towards life. I have had so much distrust on the feminine Mm. and the masculine side. Mm -hmm. So I've had lots of betrayal and moments where, you know, I've been very, very intimate friends with somebody for a really long time. And then it comes to this moment where there's this like, you don't actually see me at all. Like you don't really know my intentions or my heart or, you know, like that it's just like gut wrenching. Like how is this, happening right now. And also at the time, I was definitely less aware. So I'm sure that there was a lot more there for me on my end. But honestly, it's taken a lot of me leaning in. Um, When I was first introduced to my husband's community, I met him at Burning Man in in 2016. And, you know, they very lovingly, you know, kind of like brought me in as like another one of the team and an ally and, you know, we went on all these adventures and did plant medicine and all these things and I had never had a community like that before and I noticed myself for a while it was like in certain environments where I felt like I was really like in my organic nature I could like you know I could, I could party and like have a blast and be like dancing and super magnetic but then other times we would be at dinner and I just felt like I don't know how to like really lean into relationships and they're Mm -hmm. all so close. So I kind of felt like I was on this, like a little bit on the outside for a while. And then again, uh, I called in a divine intervention of my dear sister, Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin, she's the poet queen on Instagram. She's really, really great poetry. Love you, Casey. But uh, in my former partnership we were monogamous and then he started to have feelings for Caitlin and we were part of you know the same community. So it was a very interesting situation. But that ultimately, again, drove me deep into my shadow and competition with women on all sides. Like any plant medicine ceremony that I did where I was trying to find a way to be really open and understand that like, they love each other. And like, how can I, you know, show up and try to loosen up like my contraction around not wanting this to happen, but be honoring that their feelings are true. And, you know, love is not limited and all these ideas. And it ultimately became kind of like the bomb that blew everything up that got me to Want to live my life in a different way. But her as a teacher, again, I got to meet the depths of myself. I got to meet the part of me that was disgusted by other women, that judged other women for the way that they did this or that, that was like, you know, getting super cute so that I looked cuter than she was when we were doing this party or like whatever situation. And it's like, and it was, you know, it was kind of monstrous to be mm-hmm. honest and it was constantly driving into me into this just like very it like almost volcanic like it brought up a lot of rage and anger for me so i was the opportunity there was i was really just meeting more aspects of myself and integrating more aspects of myself and learning how to have better boundaries learning how to communicate from a place of true desire and i didn't do it really well until things got really bad but Ultimately, we went to the depths with each other, and it was probably the most difficult year of my life of my whole life because it was pretty constant. You know, like being essentially we were in like a three way situation. So I wasn't seeing anybody else, and I didn't really have like a and you know and and I and I honestly didn't have that much community at the time because there was always so much drama and nobody wanted to be around us. And so they would have like a date night or hang out, and then I just by myself. So it was like, it was, it was really, really, really hard for me. And then everything kind of blew up in this big divine intervention way. Like if none of you are going to listen, we're going to reorient this for everybody so that you can no longer continue to participate in something that is not serving any one of you. And then we didn't speak for probably six months. And when Aubrey and I got together, you know, Caitlin's going to be his best man at our wedding. They're so close, like soul ally, like, you know, she's his best friend. And so we had to come back together um, to, you know, with Aubrey and I being together, like that was part of us coming back into resonance. But when we did, there was so much love and we got to come together from a new place in ourselves where there had been a lot of healing, you know, we didn't speak for six months, but I was doing Ho'oponopono with mala beads every single morning. I wrote her out this letter. Like I was doing a lot of internal work to feel not judgmental of her, not victimized, like she did something to me. But how can I at least come to a place of neutrality? Because I don't want to live... With all this energy, you know, this is essentially hurting me. Her and I don't even speak, but I'm hurting myself by having all of these stories and thoughts in my mind. And when we came together, it was an opportunity to like really heal all of the sister wounds and to be brutally honest with each other about everything that we went through, you know, and it took time to be able to. Settled down from, you know, how chaotic things were and to come to a place that was neutral enough that we could, you know, come together and speak. But that relationship really healed everything for me. And it taught me how to really unconditionally love somebody. Like I have felt in moments like I could not stand you. And I don't like using the word hate, but the energy, the like the, the rigidness and the intensity of how I felt sometimes in my anger and rage towards the situation. Like it was that, you know, it was that level. And to love anyways, to love anyways, because somebody is showing up and willing to go in with you, you know, and it was a process. Like it wasn't just, I mean, it was It was great. It was great. But we also, it took time to like fully move through everything. You know, we did ceremony together. We spent a lot of time together talking and just kind of like being with each other, but we were both choosing each other and we were both choosing love and we were both choosing ourselves. So that's one of the things that I think is a power of the feminine is like all this has happened and... I choose to open my heart to you and I choose to love, anyways. And in some situations, that may be having better boundaries with people. With Caitlin, I didn't need that. It was like I've never felt so intimately connected to somebody before because. It's easy to be really close when it's all like love and light and everything is easy but what happens when there's resistance and when there's challenge or when there's moments like what I had with Blue like does she just judge me back for being you know super in my shadow or does she hold me with grace and and love and forgiveness and compassion you know like that's true intimacy not just when it's easy so i would offer to people if you're constantly running from situations that are just like this is too much like you won't ever really get the opportunity to like deeply deeply love somebody and be
1: be deeply intimate with them yeah unconditional love i feel like it's healed me without without me even realizing it's helped me to call a- aspects of myself back and actually see them and love them myself it's interesting to think about what you who you think shows you unconditional love. Parents are an interesting thing to look at. I think my parents love me no matter what. And I think sometimes parents unconsciously put conditions on their love in a um, in a rearing sense. So it's like this is good, this is bad, you do this, I reward, I love you. You know, there's all these very nuanced aspects of conditional love that happen as a child and then as an adult to be loved unconditionally and, you know, wholly is just, yeah, it's the most healing thing. You said that going into this relationship with Caitlin and your former partner, you had a sense or a feeling of not uh, resistance, not feeling like it was for you. Mm-hmm. What do you know of that knowing now and how it did that? Was that the point at which you were like, huh? I knew this, and mm-hmm. I didn't trust it. So, has that strengthened yeah. since that point?
2: Yeah, that was that was the big learning in that relationship for me is to not spiritually bypass my human needs mm. because I think that that's a really common thing in the spiritual community where totally. it's just like, but wow, love is love, and it's and it's you know it's infinite. Like you can't contain love, and it's like philosophically, yes, that is true. And also like time is limited. Also, there is my nervous system that has sat with immense trauma my whole life. And I cannot thrive in a situation where I'm feeling threatened constantly. And is there work for me to do? Absolutely. Can I do that in a container of safety and maybe heal in more dental ways like I have with my husband? Absolutely, yes. It's like there can be learning on any path. Like you can choose like a really difficult path and there can be a lot available for you and there was for me and and I can't say that that I think everything happens exactly as it should be and it happened exactly as I was choosing and so when you know things kind of came full circle what I realized was I was being so passive and I'm very empathic so I feel other people a lot and so my tendency is if I feel their needs and desires, like I'm actually like, I'm a Gemini, like I'm very malleable and I can chameleon and I can kind of flow. I'm not very like rigid, like things have to be my way. But it had gotten to such a such a point where it ended up really being like hurtful to myself. And so essentially where I ended up was understanding that having boundaries is self-love. And I am worthy to ask for my desires. Why I was not capable of doing that when it was really hard was because I knew the relationship would end. And I didn't have the courage to just allow what was in the highest resonance to happen. And I was just, you know, uh, I was just so devoted, and just I had invested so much that I just wanted to make it work. And and I'm also an aspect of myself is to always work on myself. So it's like, man, I'm going into anger all the time. I have a lot to work on, Mm -hmm. you know. So I was Mm -hmm. almost like addicted to healing. Yes, you know. What do you mean?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which can also be a shadow, like
2: like addicted to healing. Like I I gotta find the root of where this came from. They like disrespect you, and you're
0: mad. You're like, I gotta go heal. It's like, are you gonna not be disrespect? Yeah, and there's
2: just like it's a there's, there's an yeah. element of just being able to like feel worthy enough with yourself to speak your truth and understand that that is the most loving thing that you can do for anybody. Yeah. It may not land in a great way with the other person, it may be incredibly triggering, it may be incredibly painful. But when you're not fully living in your truth, like there's a distortion in your energy field. And that ripples out in a lot of different ways that you don't see. And it creates like, it's almost like more of this tension energy. It's like, things keep building because you're not listening, you know? And and that's one of the aspects of my album that's coming out in September, it's called Goddess Rise, is something that I have learned in life is how to be with my anger in a healthy way. Because for women, we are not taught that it's okay to be angry. Like how many times have you been angry and then you're a crazy bitch or, you know, it's just like, like men can be aggressive. Men can scream and yell and whatever. And it's kind of just like, you know, in boys certain ways. Will like, boys will be boys. will be boys. It's not a big deal. They're just like fighting and slamming each other through <laughs> Honestly, the windshield. You're like, or like, through like, the window. Yeah, like, you're like, there go Yeah, you're like, that's my man. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's all good. They're getting their aggression out. Yeah, but it's literally, like, like, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. But we have like, we also have a masculine within us, which I'm not like correlating with anger. But yeah. there is also a side of women where yeah. we feel anger. Anger is a natural human emotion. And it is so intelligent because it's showing you where you are not honoring your boundaries. And you may not even know that you have boundaries. So the way anger comes out is just like reactive and destructive, which is not the way that you want to be with it. It's not really being integrated and and letting it kind of just like burn and allowing yourself to feel it fully and not needing to have somebody else validate that your anger is okay. It's also what we're looking for. If I get angry how do you react to it do you shame me for it do you welcome it like and and we're constantly looking for everybody else to validate that our feelings are okay but with anger it's so important to feel it and feel like what is it telling me here what is it asking and requiring me to change within myself within the way that i show up with others you know and and maybe it could also be an un- integrated pain from mm. from childhood from from trauma that you've experienced formerly that you were also suppressing and turning in on yourself so that any tiny little thing that like penetrates all of a sudden just blows up at somebody else but the but the the anger is like a it's a really edgy thing because for for women we don't really feel like we know how to be with it and I know for myself when I've been angry like I met in myself a lot in my last relationship is it's really, really asking for you to like deepen into what is here for me. What is not working? What is required here? What needs to change? How can I actually like use this as intelligence and allow myself to fully feel it? Don't hold any of it back. And I don't, I don't think my sensing, which I don't believe I know anything, but the way that I operate is there are elements where you can get out like aggressive anger, where you can like punch a, you know, punch a punching bag and like all this stuff. But I think almost there's this thing where it kind of like keeps you in a loop. Yeah. Where where it correlates anger with violence. Mm-hmm. And one of the invitations from my album, Goddess Rise, there's a song called Into the Fire that's about. Sacred rage, and the energy of it is meant to provoke the anger that hasn't been felt. And what you do with it is you dance it. Mm-hmm. You dance it. You, if you have to, ball your fists. If you have to, stick your tongue out. If you have to, scream. But it's just like mm-hmm. allowing, giving it the permission to come up and out. And you don't need anyone else to do that. Mm-hmm. All you need is yourself. And and then if you really like to use my song, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But the, it's designed to uh allow you to fully to fully feel it. And it, it's it's somewhat modeled after an experience that I have, uh Regina that wrote uh, Pussy a Reclamation does this practice called swamping. And in swamping you do a rage dance. You do a grief dance. And then the last dance to kind of purify and fully alchemize the energy is turn on, because like sexual energy is really purifying. And I had an experience uh, with a dear sister of mine who's a friend of hers and Emily Fletcher. And I went through that process that she guided me through and was amazed at. When you, when you feel the anger, I've never felt anger and not just been stuck in it. Like it's hard to get out of it when you're in it. But if you really allow yourself to move it through dance, what it unveils and what happened very organically in my experiences, it uncovers the deep grief and sadness that the anger is protecting. And so this this song that, you know, this song Into the Fire is exactly that. It's an ecstatic dance where you can go into your rage. I mean, it's like heavy drums. And I had screams that I actually screamed when I was really, really angry. Like every single thing in this album is real. There was not a moment where I was acting anything that was in this album. I had to go through really deep initiations to be in the right resonance to bring it through. And then after the rage dance, it moves into me singing to my own grief and grief that I feel like is very relatable to people who don't know how to articulate what it is that they're feeling and what it is that they're really protecting. And then to this, you know, kind of Phoenix rising moment, that's a realization that you can't hurt me because I am infinite. I am whole. I am woman to like fully coming back into your power. So it's this whole arc of this journey, but, you know, going through my own initiation with my own anger is what kind of guided me to the key codes of like, this is how I can share this practice through music and what I know how to do as medicine. And it feels, you know, I have an entire, so I have the whole album that's a journey and I have an entire visual album that I also filmed with it that tells the story. So it's kind of like uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, if you've ever seen that. Each video can be alone, but they're also, you know, there's going to be spoken word and it weaves this entire story. And as I was filming the sacred rage into the fire song, you know, I could feel like this is so important for women to see. Like if I had seen something like this, when I was in the depth of my stuff, oh my gosh, that would have been so helpful to just have a tool, you know, like I've kind of, I've had to pave my own way and, and, take, you know, take the, the right action and call in the right things. And now it's like, there are these ways where you can't bypass the process, but there are tools where it's like, you probably don't have to go through it in the same way that I did. Like it, it's, it's really, really potent and, and really powerful. But yeah, the, the invitation of the entire project being like, who are you in the fullness of your radiance, which also means the fullness of your expression. Which is not just grace and light, it's also messiness and chaos and rage. But, like, the more deeply, as we've been saying, the more deeply that you can meet yourself, the more that you can really anchor your soul's expression into the world because you're just like becoming this portal and this beacon for, you know, receiving all this information because you're just in so much resonance with your truth.
1: No, that's it's so beautiful. And I feel like the reason, one of the reasons why it's so potent that it's arriving at this time, I feel as though because we live in a time where there's social media, some like whether we are quote public figure figures or not, an aspect of our lives are being projected out into the world, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, unconsciously we kind of morph so that we can be presented, you know, and that involves really ignoring dimming pushing down any feelings that feel maybe too big too ugly too much too unprocessed or any feeling that people can't hold or you don't feel like is safe for them to hold so yeah i just wanted to like echo that i feel like it is the perfect time and you know i'm thinking of like my little my little like teen teen self i remember like screaming into a pillow when i was so angry about, you know, a certain period of time like within my family and I just remember like I had nowhere to let that rip and I didn't feel like it was okay. I felt like there's something wrong with me. I felt like I couldn't disturb anyone else in the family if I just kind of let it rip. And if I would have seen, you know, this visual expression of this ceremony of sorts moving through the anger, the grief, and then into this like pleasure ecstasy, like, I don't know. I just feel as though that's like a, a key of permission for so many women.
2: Yeah, that's and that's really, you know, I I, I work with my spiritual mentor, Mark Kaffney. I was telling him about this performance that I had recently of, of performing my single at our Arcadia Festival. And he asked me, what was it that the audience needs like what was it that you were feeling because you were up there in a visceral knowing that this was like really landing for people like what is it that they need and i dropped into my heart for a second and i i you know didn't answer right away but what i could feel was they want they need the permission they need to see that it's possible and that it's okay because just like you said like it, it doesn't feel safe to be able to go there in any way or like you have to hide it you know, um, and and also all of the, if I express it and my environment shames me for it or makes me feel guilty, then I'm again rejecting an aspect of myself and fracturing off. And you can't call all aspects of you in your power home to be the entirety of who you are. Yes. So it's like it, it's absolutely that. It's like I have moved through you know a lifetime. Of getting to this place. And it has taken a lot of just, I, I mean, death, dying and dying and dying and being reborn and dying again and being reborn and dying again and being reborn, like these constant cycles of Phoenix rising or the you know caterpillar going into the cocoon. I'm like, it didn't just happen for me once. It happened a lot. But to now be this embodiment where like this is this art is the permission slip for you. And I don't believe that I'm special. I've been really, really blessed with, you know, being very guided to find all the tools and to find my way and to find my way into, you know, my relationship and, and being being in, in my marriage with my husband, where I feel really safe and seen and held and and cherished, honestly. Yeah, that whole path now is like, okay here I am. Now what do I do with it? Like, this is your permission slip. Like, this is my hand extending out. Like, goddess rise is an invitation. It's a call to action. You know, Goddess Rising is an idea of like potentially, you know, the feminine rising and what's happening in the world and all these things that, you know, women are activating and encoding right now. But like, Goddess Rise is the invitation and you have to choose to say yes to the invitation.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about because I feel like there's so many of us in this time period, even from 2020 on, that are living really well, that feel really good and that are living really beautiful lives. And it doesn't mean materialism. It doesn't mean tons of things, but it means like really enriching relationships, eating healthy food, having access to nature, you know, being able to express in our purpose. And sometimes I almost like shortchange that part of my life where it's like showing people what's possible because I wasn't someone that was like given this life, you know what I mean? I very much worked for it, but it's like, I've thought like that part of it is not as important as what it is, but there's like a generation of us that are really showing people what's possible. And that's so deeply important to be able to do that, whether it's relationship or music or whatever it is. But when we're talking about the feminine, I would love to just kind of explore that a little bit and talk a little bit more about the powers of the feminine. When you were going through this process, what were some of the things you learned about the feminine that maybe you didn't really Mm. have access to before?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's the entire process of the music and particularly the visual album, was a ceremony. It felt like going into an ayahuasca ceremony because we would go, I mean, for the visual album specifically, when we would go in, we had a set, I had a costume, we had a loose plan of what we wanted to do, but what we did every single video was, every shoot was make a prayer to the divine, to guide us in the ways that will be of the most service and of the highest good to everyone who will witness this. And then completely surrendered to whatever what wanted to emerge. And that took a deep sense of listening. The feminine polarity is receptive. It's really, really receptive and in tune to the subtleties of a space To the subtleties of listening to nature and feeling what it is trying to guide you and trying to show you. And so I think that the the depth of what I felt in it was just my ability to receive and tune into something bigger than me. You know, this is, it is me that's bringing this through, that is the transmission of the music, that is you know, having the visions of, of, of what it is, you know, we want to bring into the space, but ultimately it's my surrender to not believing I know anything and to surrender to the mystery and trusting in the mystery, having faith in the mystery, being connected enough and having the clarification of my desire enough to speak my prayers into the space and then just opening up and fully receiving. That's that's probably the biggest thing that I learned through this whole thing. And and I was equally met by having to be in my masculine because, you know, I had my my filmmaker, a dear brother of mine, Everett, and um Ellie, who you guys have, have we've talked about as my life doula and producer on everything. It was just us three that did the whole thing. Wow. So I, and, and you know, we had lighting and like some other like, uh, assistance for uh, my sister Soraya was there, but like ultimately, like the entire vision and the entire production of it was between the three of us. So it's like, this is a vision of what it feels like. This is the music. This is what I'm seeing as I'm listening to the music. Like, let's make it happen. So I simultaneously had to be the most in my masculine that I've ever been in. And that was also inviting me deeper into my feminine because so many things went wrong. And it in moments felt like I was going to crumble in overwhelm because we had worked so hard to just get things a certain way. And it was like, it was Kali's medicine, essentially, like allow what needs to be destroyed, to be destroyed, to then let what wants to be birthed come through. And again, the invitation, I am in full trust that everything that is going wrong is happening for me and I will be in a place of listening it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel right but like I surrender that there is something divine going on right now there is divine orchestration and all of these things that are just like punching my masculine in the face and so like let me move back into my feminine and be in flow with what wants to come about so that was also, a really beautiful invitation. And then the last one that I would, you know, love to, to anchor about the feminine is the reclamation of sexuality as sacred. You know, one of the songs is called Out of Exile. And I have also lived a lifetime of being really disempowered in my sexuality. I won't go into that because I did an entire podcast about that at one point, (laughs) people can find, but being in relationships where I was, I really wanted to be loved. So I would open myself in that way. And I didn't really honor my body. I didn't choose partners who were honoring of me. I used, you know, in my earlier years, I've also had very, you know, darker tendencies where I've also lied and been manipulative and tried to use sex as a way to like feel more in control or stable or like, we're fighting, like, why don't we have sex? You know, like <laughs> yeah. I've also used, used yeah. you know, like sex sex for me has not been this anchored true expression of me like fully claiming my pleasure for myself in the ways that are in truth for me. And so, you know, this out of exile song is a reclamation of our pleasure for ourselves and, and understanding like sexual energy. If you think of the moment of orgasm, right? That is the potential to create life vibrationally. And everything, we, you know, we know this, everything in the universe is vibration. This body, if I'm singing into the space, it's vibration. This table is vibration. Everything is vibration. If you think of it in like hierarchy, like that energy is God energy. It's like the closest, like highest frequency that you can get to God energy. Mm-hmm. And yet thousands of years, we are so disconnected and disempowered from one of the most powerful things we have access to funny that doesn't seem like a coincidence at all and so you know i've i this last year did a an apprenticeship with uh, the woman i mentioned before my dear sister emily fletcher and it was initiating me in sex magic and this is using harnessing your sexual energy to manifest you know bring bring energy through your body through the portal of your womb your womb energetically your womb physically can bring physical life in the into the 3D, and your womb can also energetically bring energy from you know the from the cosmos like into the 3D, like that is available to you. So I went through this whole initiation with Emily Fletcher for a week long, and the things that healed for me because your sexual energy is purifying, like it's purifying you in like a multi-dimensional mm-hmm. way. I've had a lot of experiences recently in uh, medicine space as well as like eros Mm. is like the allurement of the it's like the desire for life to create life it's the desire that atoms are like magnetizing each other it's the desire between masculine and feminine polarities it's the desire to be on the receiving end, the feminine, you know, receptive polarity of the mass of receiving the masculine penetrative polarity, you know, and just kind of like deepening into all of these like very ancient codes, you know, back to Isis. And I don't know if you've ever read the Magdalene manuscript, but they have, you know, really, Mm -hmm. really incredible practices in there. Like this doesn't necessarily have to take place with other this is something that you can entirely use in your own practice. And to be able to create through pleasure,
0: like, wow.
2: You know, but at, but first we have to come out of this exile of shame around our sexuality. And, you know, reclaiming your sexuality is not like, it's not, I'm going to use my sexuality to get something that I want. It's, there's a there's a transactional, lower level, not evolved energy in that. And I think for, you know, for a lot of women and men, that's the way they experience sexuality. There's this transactional energy that's happening. Like I do this for you. So, you know, you buy me this purse or you, you know, like, and and it might not even be conscious, but it's just like, it, it, there's a lot of distorted energy around sexuality, but how can we fully reclaim it for ourselves and realize how freaking powerful we are as women? Like, like, we are so so powerful to think that we can literally create a life inside of our body and birth it into the world out of a beautiful moment of god alchemy like that is so powerful our ability to sense and feel people our ability to listen and and the the other one that i said earlier like the ability to love anyways. This may have been so painful to me, and I love you anyways. I think that's the superpower of the feminine. So those those really feel like the big key codes of what I really received in this in this process, and uh, really just learning that the sexiest thing is for you to be in your truth. The sexiest thing is for you to be in your truth. And sometimes the truth is messy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the truth isn't just like I'm here and I'm centered and I know how to communicate perfectly back to, you know, the whatever you're saying to trigger me. Like it's like no, like like what is your raw wild nature? What is unbridled within you? Like if you can access that within yourself, do you know how much rapture you experience? in sex, in dance, when it's like, I don't care what anyone thinks about what I'm doing right now, you know? And I, I think that's another one of the, the codes within this is like, I choose to be fully in my power, fully in my truth, fully in my radiance. I choose when I want to share that with you and when I don't. And I don't need the validation That you feel like I should be any kind of certain way to dictate how I be and how I show up. And it's funny because I started, you know, trickling some posts on my social media, particularly about the sacred sexuality, which it's edgy. Like I know I'm going to take some arrows for it and that's fine. It's art and it's beautiful and I know it's exactly what I'm meant to be doing. But one of the things my post kept getting taken down and I'm body painted and I'm not like I'm not naked I have everything like covered and there's an entire what's that pla- that uh, Instagram black tape project they have an entire yeah, Instagram I mean, that's I
0: mean, exactly the same thing we're trying Anyways, to understand that like, yeah 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 <laughs> it's all good but what it, what I
2: realized is it was happening cuz people kept reporting it oh wow and what I realized mm-hmm. is like it's the it's mm-hmm. not the picture it's the message yes
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's the message that's triggering for people and it got taken down and then i got it went back with instagram they put it back up they took it down again so i was like fine i'll post it again and i posted it with a new message that was like you're not going to silence me i'm going to say what i have to say <laughs> essentially and like i stand for no construct that is going to keep me silent from speaking my truth like i i refuse to do that about something that i feel so passionate about that is not threatening to anything take it down again. And I was like, okay. It's actually funny because typically when I get negative feedback, I shouldn't say typically, but I'm not beyond somebody saying a really mean comment and it not impacting me in some way. Sometimes, most of the time I don't, but sometimes it's just like, oh, there's like hundreds of really nice comments, but yours ruined my day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yours
2: ruined my hour mm-hmm. until I move through it. But with this, it was just like, I kind of felt this Kali energy. It was wild. It was like, shoot your arrows at me, shoot them, shoot them. I'll eat them and I'll spit them back out at you as love. Like it was like this wild ferocity and and that's Kali's nature who is, you know, my gateway into my own, you know, activation into my inner goddess. So she is a theme throughout the entire, the entire album. And uh, so I decided to post it one more time and I was like, okay, I'm going to be smart because I'm going to post a photo that you can't take down for nudity because it's only of my face. And I'm going to say everything that I need to say. And it's in this way that it's like, I am not threatened by the resistance that's happening here. And I invite you to understand that me being fully in my power may be triggering to you. And that is yours and it's not mine. And it's not impacting me in that way. And for women to feel that Type of response to the way that it's like threatening to some people for us to fully be in our power. You know, if you're having reactivity back and you're fighting back with the same energy, that doesn't resolve anything. What the world needs is for women to just fully embody their truth. I don't need to yell at you to validate me, but I'm going to speak my truth and set a boundary. I'm going to say no but I'm, I'm going to stand here in my truth anyways. And that might mean that I take arrows and that's fine because I really trust in what I'm being guided to do and how I am being invited to stand for women in the world.
1: I always find it so powerful when something like that happens, especially on the internet, because people can kind of hide behind their handles and whatnot and kind of say what they want to say. But when there is an activation like that, and we've seen it, throughout the last few years and experienced, it's exciting in a way because I'm like, oh wow. Okay. Like you're definitely paving the way for this type of expression to become a new baseline for women. And I think it's it's not uncommon and kind of expected for the first reaction to be resistance, mm-hmm. to be kind of this reaction from the trigger. But when you were talking about the power of the sexual energy and just yeah, the creation energy. I think that to your point, women are so incredibly powerful, especially in that way, that if we were to fully embody it and fully honor it and really own it, it would it would change everyone's life. And that change is too big for people to right in this moment, potentially experience or bear. Because I really think that that is kind of the key to this more unconditional love, this shift that we're all kind of desiring on a deep level, but aren't sure how to manifest it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where exactly do you even start? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because you feel all these things and there's this tension and the feedback from the world and you're just kind of like, like, where do I start? You start in your own personal practice, yes. you know, like this whole invitation this goddess rise invitation this is all in your own personal practice you don't need anybody to do this this is something that that inspires the evolution of how you be in truth you know and to kind of touch on the sexual energy it's really fascinating i just started watching game of thrones i've never watched it and just I watched needed, it
0: for the first time last yeah, year wild i needed a day after our festival to just
2: Shut my brain off Mm -hmm. because we had been we were you know we were traveling before that it's been nonstop pretty much for like the last three months my head spins off a lot and so decided to get addicted to Game of Thrones and one thing in Game of Thrones that I found really really fascinating and this is not something that I'm encouraging but it was just something I was witnessing that what that was that was interesting to me is the way that they have the brothels in Game of Thrones is they train them in this way. Where it seems like, and maybe my perspective is really off, but it seems like they're so immersed in the energy, in their sexual energy and, and really initiated in how to be somewhat of a sex priestess, where the men go to feel like they are fully seen and desired, and that somebody like, really wants them. And it's like, it's an interesting thing because it's a brothel. But the way that the energy, it's like so free. Mm. Nobody's all stressed out about this like transactional, I can only have sex. Like It's like it lifted for some reason instead of like all the weight that goes Mm -hmm. on, like don't cheat on me and sex. Like there's like all this energy bound up around sexuality. Like why do you think nightlife is a thing? Because men go out, and they get tables and they want to have a lot of girls around and maybe in the hopes that they'll meet one. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I'm not going to be super judgmental, but I worked in nightlife and I Same was- Same with lens. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, you're part of it. So you just yeah. see it. And it's like, if that wasn't on the table, would this even exist?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like in, I just finished totally. Sex at Dawn. You know? And I feel like it's almost like the siphoning though of the powers of the feminine, where it's like back in that time, whether, you know, Game of Thrones isn't real, but it was like you had your wife- and that was for procreation. And then you had the whore mm-hmm. for your fantasies and mm-hmm. for that like liberated sex. Mm-hmm. And I see what you mean because there's that part with Littlefinger where it's like very much like learning the sex magic when the two women are together. But it is, it's like, I for me, it's also the power, but then it's also like siphoning of yeah. the caretaker one and then the fucking mm-hmm. lover. Yeah. The and, and the
2: thing where there's the invitation is there is an invitation for you to be all of it. Yes. Yes there's an invitation for you to be all of it. Like I am very spiritual and I sit in medicine spaces and we have our fit for service community that everything in my life is a devotion to being of the highest service. And also when I hear my brother Savage's music, I will twerk my face off (laughs) and I get lingerie and Aubrey and I have date nights where we get Mm -hmm. sexy and kinky. And it's just like, we get to play out all of the elements of everything. Yeah. So I think there's, and yes, I appreciate that deciphering because mm-hmm. I, I definitely wasn't trying to be like, be like Game of Thrones. <laughs> but I liked that there wasn't all of the stress yes, energy around sex. It's totally. just this very liberated expression where even the women in the brothels seem like they're like really enjoying, you know, what they do to a degree, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, but the invitation being like, if I can be in the reclamation of my own, like i love this term it's very edgy and it might trigger people but like my sacred slut mm-hmm. like the part of me that is in the fullness of my desire that desires like deep intimate pleasure maybe wild pleasure like whatever that is but like how do we reconnect to and and these terms are always funny to me I love Layla Martin and I love Regina and (laughs) I love Emily Fletcher but like they say pussy a lot Mm
1: -hmm.
2: like how do you reconnect to your pussy and a lot of the practices that they're doing is connecting your pussy to your heart like how like disjointed is that like the, one pleasure practice is just literally envisioning drawing up energy from your pleasure up into your heart you know and and it's just it's so it's so powerful and it's something that's kind of i'm on the beginning of my own path with it but there's so much available to there there's so much wisdom and consciousness hidden in sec, in the sexual like there's actually a book by our Aubrey's and my spiritual mentor Mark Gaffney called a return to Eros. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how, you know, the sexual models the erotic, but it does not exhaust the erotic. So, like if you think of Eros, like life is erotic. When you think of erotic, you think of sexual. But like Eros is actually like being in the absolute presence on the inside of this moment.
0: It's like tantra. Mm -hmm, Exactly. mm -hmm. Being on
2: the inside of like really seeing and feeling who you are as a person and how you're engaging in this space and how you're looking into my eyes and the intimacy that is created in this like beautiful allurement of like God wanting to create God. And it does not exhaust the erotic. Sexual does not exhaust the erotic. So it's like, we bind up so much energy into the sexual that it collapses under the weight of something that it cannot bear. So to be in the practice of like learning how to reclaim your pleasure, like bring back these ancient practices that are purifying and expansive and there's just so much in the sexual and I feel really really passionate about it I can't speak to it you know if, if you're really interested in this sort of thing my dear sister and soul ally Layla Martin is an absolute gangster we did a podcast with her and she didn't even initiate me in anything and like the intimacy that Aubrey and I were having like that day was like
1: what's happening I'm totally fully activated just from Yes.
2: she's so she's so, powerful yeah. she's very so powerful. powerful she's on the
0: pod years ago years we need ago, to have her back that's a good yeah yeah that's a good she, reminder she's yeah. actually
2: we're in like a PR strategy for my for my album and it asks a question like who inspires you and the first person that came to mind was my husband like Aubrey you know and then I kind of just sat for a while because like I don't feel like there's a lot of Models necessarily that I'm like I want to be like them. I kind of feel like I'm making. My, I was about my, to say before. my path in a new yes. way. Yeah, so it was an are. interesting question. However, a person that deeply inspires me is Layla because it's this is a very edgy subject. Like people, particularly you know religious people, like they want to attack you know everything that she's doing, everything that she speaks about, even though she's been you know just woven in in her study of Tantra and all of these ancient arts for like over a decade and has changed so many women's and men's lives. And she chooses to be in her truth anyways. She gets death threats. Like she has to have like a huge dog at her house because like people really like attack her wow. and and she stands in her truth anyways, fearlessly and unbridled, like- I will not be silenced. Like, this is my dharma. This is what I'm here to do. And she's definitely a person that really inspires me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she's super, super powerful. Mm-hmm. Super powerful. This episode is brought to you by Better Help. Uh, oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but, you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for... About six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life, and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom, I am a better wife, I am a better friend, I am a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change but I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. with Aubrey in partnership and marriage and just what was what was that initiation like
2: Oh man well Aubrey and I had been very very close for years we were friends for a really long time and I started to both of us actually simultaneously in a joint ceremony that was really unexpected got this download about how our souls have always like woven with each other and so it felt like almost like we had a soul marriage before it actually happened in the manifest and a lot of things needed to kind of shake out for us to come together but ultimately that's what we chose i felt like i have never been more sure of anything in my life i've i never wanted to get married because i've my i'm a child of divorce and I know what that meant for me and my parents' divorce and all of the things that unfolded from there in my life's path and what I've had to heal from. And I also haven't really been to a lot of weddings where where they're like speaking everything that they're saying. It's like, do you really mean that? Are you really doing this for the right reason? Or is this just something you think you're supposed to do? And so I, I never, I was like, I really want to have a family. know I want to have children But I don't know that it feels true to me to ever get married because I don't know that I... I've never met anyone that that I felt that level of devotion. Like, I'm with you no matter what. Like, that was never true for me. But being with Aubrey, like, right away, we had our very first date during COVID. He invited me over and wore a suit and cooked me dinner. And I wore, you know, a dress and got all dressed up. And we hugged. And I could feel him being my husband, like, the very first date. And, you know, it, it moved, like relative to how most people move in relationship. We moved, you know, fairly quickly because we just were so sure. It's been a stark contrast from the way that I've learned in life prior to him because he has been so safe. I've never truly known stability to a point where like I can just relax. And most of the time prior to him, like so much of my life force energy was going towards trying to feel okay with my environment with my relationship like always doing the work to at least get to a place of neutrality and hopefully love like so much energy was just being fed into that constantly that I didn't really have the space to really create and the space to really listen and somebody who believed in me so much that like wants me to burn as my brightest star in all the ways possible that that's not threatening or scary for him, but just like any way that he can be of support to me, you know, really living my dharma and my deepest calling and, and serving as many people as I possibly can. It was a stark contrast that that took a little bit of a transitionary period to just learn that like love can be safe and that I can communicate in a way with somebody that's really honest And doesn't have all these like agendas and strategies and gaslighting and like all the things. So like the way that I was operating in the beginning was still a little bit bound to my past. And I had to really reconcile that in a lot of situations. It has not only been easy. Like we've had big blowups. Like right before we got married, we had a ceremony and it was one of the biggest fights that we've ever had. And... I had to leave because it, I just was crying so much. Like my eyes looked like I ate shellfish and I was the most addicted to shellfish of anything in the world. I looked insane. Um, but I left for a moment to just, because we were leaving a couple of days later to go to Vegas to get married. And I just sit and just ask like, are we supposed to do this? I've never questioned it. I was just like a full fuck yes from the start. But you know, we we've, we've been through... Really, really challenging moments, like a year really of an initiation for me, where it was like leading up to that ayahuasca ceremony that I was talking about earlier, where I went through my death rebirth, where everything that was everything that needed to arise came up. And I was projecting a lot on a dear sister of mine because they were very close and feeling like my knowing knows that I trust both of you in this situation fully, I know both of you are completely honest and 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 that I'm safe. My body is not having that experience. So I had to go through this period of just being really like, feeling like I was living two simultaneous experiences that was very confusing at times and very difficult for Aubrey because he didn't really feel like I saw, I, I could really see him. And so we've been through really, really challenging moments, but ultimately... What we've come to in sacred Union is there's no out for us. We choose each other every single time, no matter how you know off course it gets, no matter what is said, no matter how ridiculous the argument goes, which it's funny with us because we don't really ever fight over anything that's serious. It always is initiated and triggered by some stupid <laughs> thing.
1: It's
2: like typically my sarcasm. <laughs> that like might have a hint of something that's a little bit underneath it that True. he picks up on and then he <laughs> feels really sensitive. And then I I think like my construct of not wanting to, of like wanting to be perfect and not hurt him comes up. And so then it's just like a battle of like, it's so silly. In all of those situations, he's so amazing of just inviting me to lean in. My tendency is to like numb out and avoid and I get really monotone and it's like, I'm not totally there. And that's my defense mechanism from childhood. I thought I used to think it was a superpower, but in the relationship have learned to like, when I go into a moment of contraction, to expand into the contraction and to just take a moment to allow myself to feel. And then what always ends up happening is it has nothing to do... Most of the time when you're triggered by something, it has nothing to do with the person that you're experiencing it with almost every single time. Like he is... You know, we both have our shadow and our own darkness and, and 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 whatnot, but like he is in like the way he shows up in his podcast, like the way that you feel him and his vulnerability and his authenticity. I've never met somebody that was more in integrity than Aubrey Marcus. Like ever. That's why I like the person that inspires me the most is him. He's the most generous person fighting for the good of the world in every single thing that he does, you know, it's difficult when he gets attacked because I'm with him by his side every single day when he's just like, you know, not sleeping and wearing himself out. And he's just like trying to do everything that he can in all the ways that he knows best. And then he gets attacked and he's also, you know, he's tender, he's watery, he's he's a Pisces. He's tender.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um,
2: so, you know, being with him has, called me forward to be my greatest self. Like for one, as we were talking about earlier, just being in his presence, I feel like I am more intelligent. Like my vocabulary is better. I feel like the way I'm able to tune into people and listen, it's just like all I like level up just by being in his presence always by witnessing him in team meetings and the way that he navigates things and the way that he delegates responsibility. Like, Like everything about him is just like you can learn something from him and i have that you know 24 hours a day and any days that we're together like teacher and then the other the other aspect of it that's been really really rewarding is he trusts in me so much he doesn't make big decisions without talking to me about it and asking me what i feel or what i sense like you know he goes through it physically in his body and you know sometimes he has trouble sleeping and he's always inviting me to be my medicine woman because he trusts me and so it's like I'm constantly sharpening my sword by being of service to him in any ways that I can and honestly it's an interesting thing because I've been in so many relationships it's just different in a way that's really difficult to put to words it's like it's it's like When you go to Burning Man, you know what Burning Man feels like. Otherwise you can look at pictures and kind of like try to see it in your mind. But it's like until you have a visceral experience of it, it's really difficult to describe. I you know, flew here last night and before I even left, because we're almost always together. And I actually cherish my alone time. I really like my alone time, but I love him so much and everything is so much better when he's there. I was missing him before I left a lot. And like, got into bed last night and was just like, oh, it would be so much better if he was here. You know, because we live our sovereign lives during the day where we're both in our own medicine and magic and leading different charges. And sometimes they come together, but at night, you know, we come together and it's like, we share intimacy in all of the ways and we support each other and we see each other. And it's just like this beautiful, like, constant reciprocity of of energy and love and support and you know not to mention <sighs> I have lived my life not being so abundant I've known what it's like to be almost broke I've known what it's like to really struggle and there's not a day that goes by where I don't thank him for the work that he's put in for our life to be so blessed for me to create my album and my visual album and and do it the way that I wanted to like I count my blessings every single day it never like no experience no matter how beautiful it is I make sure to always ground into my gratitude and like nothing ever feels like it's just usual mm-hmm. like I'm I never settle into like this is just the way that it is now so excite me in a new way it's like you know and and it's not about it's 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 not about money it's about the freedom that i feel and you know like he's he's provided that with his blood sweat and tears for me to create from a place of true freedom emotionally you know resourcefully like most things in life like he he told me when we first got together that my two responsibilities in our marriage is to eat food and be magical. Those are my mm. two responsibilities. <laughs> and I was like, sometimes I'm actually not good about eating food unless he feeds me. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I don't know if I'm totally mm. being an, an A plus queen on our deal, but he's just, he's magnificent. It's And it's a to feel so loved every like we wake up every single morning and like I'm like a puppy. Like the second he opens his eyes, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and it and it doesn't ever. It's funny when people will say like, yeah, newlyweds and you know, honeymoon phase, and you're Mm-mm. you're. It's all gonna die. And you're gonna have to make sacrifices, and da 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 da. It's like I do not subscribe to all yeah. of those stories. It's only. It has only expanded like every time I'm just like, I could not love you more. He does some extraordinary thing or even if we fight and we just make it through it. And I'm just like, God, I love you so much. I feel like our souls were woven in. I think that we could have done a lot sovereignly in the world because of how connected we are. But it's like our path is together. It's woven. So it's woven yeah thank you for asking it's it's such a gift. and you know, my greatest hope with our relationship also is the same thing showing people that it's possible. and I don't know that it works the way that it has worked for us. like I you know people throw around terms like twin flames and like all I'm like I don't really know. but what I do know is like we choose each other. we choose each other every single day through everything that is ugh, painful and dark and all the healing that needs to happen that gets triggered by a love that is so mm-hmm. bright you know mm-hmm. like when you love so much it's shining light on everything that's out of resonance with that so it's been it has been a journey and and our life will be a journey and you know eventually we do plan on having children. We'd like to go to two more Burning Man's before that happens. <laughs> that's like kind of the agreement.
0: I've talked to my. I'd
1: love to see some yeah. outfits with a, a yeah. sweet pregnant
0: belly, though. Yeah, to that's be honest. true.
1: <laughs> little, little, Please. little
0: babies and oh, burner, little burners. Mm-hmm. Yes, for
2: sure. I'm like, I'm. That's an aspect I've known my whole life that that will be yeah. one of the greatest yeah. things that I can do yes. as is to be a mother and to gift all of this. Yeah. wisdom and everything that I've been through like you don't have to go through it the way Mm -hmm. I did like this is you get to start out with something so different and revolutionary
1: yeah beautiful and the reciprocity is so beautiful to Mm -hmm. see because I know that I mean he told us in person but like he's sitting (laughs) here it's the same feeling it's the same just reverence and honoring of you and yeah it's really beautiful
0: thank you thank you thank you and the album
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. So I have my first solo album, as I mentioned earlier, is called Goddess Rise. It is very activating, very inspiring. And as I said before, it's the alchemy and the codes from my entire life's journey. Like every painful moment that I had been through in life was to be able to tap those moments so that when I was doing the visual album, my sacred rage was real. My tears were real the past, present, future healing that happens was real. Everything that I tapped was real and it felt like arriving to the most glorious moment of like, I have arrived to do exactly what I came here to do. So the first single is called Phoenix. It's actually the last song on the album. It is a celebration of the divine feminine and what it takes to move through your darkness, to be in the acknowledgement the acceptance and the gratitude for how your darkness forged you like a diamond. You know, I was created by you. I would not be who I am sitting here today with all these stories, with any of my insights or visions or anything that I have to say had I not gone through the depths and the darkness and the shadow and the roots that grow deep, deep, deep into the earth so I could grow into the light of who I'm meant to become. So it is, yeah, it's a... It's a. A beautiful song and a celebration of the goddess. Like, I was created by you, forged in the fire of the truth, a diamond from darkness, all refined. I am, and that's all that I ever need to be. And, um, Feels very very anthemic. I can feel women just like, and it's dancey too. My collaborator who started this project with me a year and a half ago, her name is Laura Escudé. She played all the violins and oh. produced the music. Mm. And then we also added my dear brother Donny. His his artist name is Savage. You guys should definitely listen to his. I know,
1: but we know. Oh. That? Yeah, I definitely I mean, know his music, music lights me on. Fire. I used to teach Soul Cycle, so I was yes. like used to kind of be yeah. in the mm-hmm. it's like that ancient experience. future bassy, yes. Yes. like
2: it's but very organic sounds it's really mm-hmm. epic. So mm-hmm. Laura and I had yeah been working on it for a year and a half and decided to bring him on to add a little bit of his like organic ancient future vibes to it. So it's like every song has like a dancey mm-hmm. element, like you really want to get into your body, and it's just yeah, it's been it's been a beautiful process. So Phoenix releases on. August 19th, I'll be posting all the things on my social, you know, in the coming weeks about the release. It will be available on all music platforms and I will also be releasing the video that goes with that that I actually brought in different women who I have met who I really feel anchor these codes of freedom within themselves and they got to do their own goddess mm-hmm. dance to really like show like this comes in all shapes, sizes, ethnicities, like this is like a movement for women. This is a seed of something yeah. greater that we can mm-hmm. all connect with and access because what I see in all of my visions is the rise of the feminine is women holding hands together, standing in their truth, simply saying no, simply saying yes, but being in the fullness of their mm-hmm. expression and their, and their true embodiment, mm-hmm. which is all of it. It's full spectrum yeah, so that single comes out on August 19th. If everything goes really well, which I believe that it will, I will be releasing a second single on September 9th and then the full album, Goddess Rise album and visual album will be out on all music platforms and YouTube and also have a landing page with the visual album will be out on September 23rd. Beautiful. So there will be uh, yeah, we're we're currently planning A launch event, I'll do a performance, we'll do a screening for the visual album. And what I really, really desire is for for this to see the movement and to create a network, you know, through this piece of art where you can view it, a network of, you know, this is what I have to offer in the world. If this activates, triggers, inspires you, and you want to do something with the energy, Mm -hmm. here's what I'm offering in-person, virtual. And I might not be everyone's medicine, but here are the sisters that I know in my field who are offering these things that you can access. And Mm -hmm. it creates like a network where we're all standing together, supporting each other in our greatest expression, activating the world for women to come more fully into themselves.
1: So yeah. I'm excited for you. Thank and we'll close you. this episode with <laughs> Phoenix. We'll, yeah. we'll grab it. Sure. Yeah. Just like yeah. a little Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that. Amazing. Teaser. I'm so
0: grateful. Yeah, I was yeah, so truly. excited when we got you to come and speaking <laughs> with Aubrey and just seeing your whole experience has been so inspiring and beautiful and magnetic. And yeah, to see the art you're creating in the world is just so powerful. So I'm so much gratitude for you for coming mm-hmm. today and thank for sharing sister. so much of your truth and your authenticity. It is so inspiring. Yeah, thank yeah. you so thank much. You, thank both you. of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Vailana. What a beautiful conversation.
1: You can follow her on Instagram at Vailana, V-Y-L-A-N-A. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands that we feel are just doing it, doing it right. You can find all discount information in our show notes and on almost30.com. And just wanted to also thank Vailana. I just, this came to my mind. She stuck around and just gave us a sound blessing that, was so moving we shared it a bit on on social so check that out but she was so generous she's like would you guys like a sound blessing and she brought in her sound bowls and she sang and it was very powerful our team was was there as well so thank you thank you thank
0: you yeah it was stunning thank you so much for being a part of our community and our lives we love you we're so grateful we get to do what we do and support and serve people like you keep on fighting the good fight we'll see you on the next one Love ya.